So welcome everybody. It's Monday the 27th of November as we record this. We've only got just four weeks on, odd till Christmas. Um, something to look forward to. It's Duncan Williams and one of my business partners, uh, John Newsom, who's here today. And we are going to talk a little bit today about the current economic situation. And then we're going to talk about some issues affecting our industry. Let's kick off, John. The Lords have been critical of the Bank of England over its interest rate policy and uh, the way that inflation has not come back to uh, where they hoped it was going to come back to. Well, I suppose better late than never might be the the obvious thing to say. It's been obvious for so long, but it's, it's typical of politics in this country. Look around for escape goes. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not making a case for the Bank of England, but their incompetence has been so obvious for the last couple of years. And the House of Lords now gets around to um, sort of making a comment about it. I don't really look at it and think that it sheds too much light on the situation. They have been hopeless for the last two, two and a half years. It was quite obvious where inflation was going. They have economic models and battalions of PhDs and all the rest of it, they miss the most obvious thing. So I don't really pay a lot of attention to the House of Lords uh, and I don't pay a lot of attention to the Bank of England either. Being cynical, I just wonder whether there's a bit of worry starting to materialise in uh, Westminster, especially since there's an election in 2024. I read that mortgage arrears are up 18% or 1% of outstanding mortgages are in arrears got 1.6 million mortgages to be reset next year. And also, demands for US Treasuries, and I see probably for UK government stock as well, that there is less demand for it. So uh, Jerome Powell has said interest rates may have to, to rise to try and attract money to US Treasuries. I mean, I would have thought that would be the same here as well. Well, I suppose, really, the answer is, who's been buying the treasuries over the past, or I don't know, decade or so? And when the central banks have been buying government paper, where was the real demand? Demand has been falsified. So if we are now backing off from QE, which is central banks creating money out of thin air to buy government bonds, then we're edging closer to real demand, which is investment demand. So perhaps we're just seeing the unwinding of the whole nonsensical shebang that we've been looking at for the past, say, 10 to 15 years. They've tried to keep the show on the road through nonsense. And uh, instead of normalising interest rates and government expenditure in 2011, 12, 13, they dragged it out and thought that they could keep printing money forever, which was always a gig that was going to end. And I think we're now witnessing the end of total nonsense over that period. As for uh, mortgage rates and, and the like, well, let's just say mortgage rates, have, well, they've at least doubled. It must therefore follow that we're going to have an uplift in, in arrears. So I don't think there's anything surprising there. So, John, last time we recorded this, we talked about WeWork, or 
at least we don't work. Or we could never work might have been a, a better description. My ears have pricked up with regard to property. And uh, interestingly, there have been comments that London rental market is down at the moment. Time Investments have suspended their property fund. And so I had a look at their website. And this has been done to create predictability and stability to help clients rest at ease. Does that mean that their investments are so liquid that they can't sell them to raise redemptions? In English, I think that's correct. I've also seen that home REITs have sold another 153 properties. That's a REIT mess, isn't it? It is a REIT mess. As we'd say in Yorkshire. It is when you find out that they were sold for a 65% loss. Yeah, yeah. Some people believe property always goes up, you know. Yes. And then, astounded really, EY, which is Ernst & Young, which is one of the biggest firms of accountants globally, really, is looking to close its more London site, which is right next door to Tower Bridge. And they have 9,000 people working there, and they're all going back to working from home, from what I have read. But I think in general, the point is, there's pressure being put on property prices. And I just don't want to be invested in property, whether it be in a commercial property fund, multi-asset fund, cautious managed fund, with profits fund, etc., etc. We've said that before in these podcasts. You'll never get away from the illiquidity that property inherently brings. That is a potential problem. Most people, they own a property anyway that they live in. So it's probably fair to say that some people inadvertently end up with maybe a little bit too much property they set out for. The majority of people I've met in the last 36 years, their biggest part of their wealth tends to be their own house. So do they need more property? I know people are going to be there listening and saying, you don't understand, Duncan, a commercial property is completely different to a residential property. But this is a time when I know that I'm pleased I've taken a stance I've taken. So in these podcasts, we've often spoken about energy generated from fossil fuel compared to renewables. And I see that Siemens Energy in the last week or so has ascertained a seven and a half billion euro guarantee from Berlin. I'm just wondering, John, what do you think that is? I'm thinking it's sort of propping up. It sounds like a total contravention of EU subsidy policy, doesn't it? That's that's the obvious thing that I think of. But if you have an industry that is being subsidised, you would have thought that it would be a real bonanza for manufacturers of wind turbines, wouldn't you? Strangely, it um, doesn't seem to be panning out that way. You could almost believe that it's actually quite an inefficient method of energy generation and that maybe the public were being sold a scam. A bit like the fact that they've got around the subsidies by calling it a guarantee. But who knows? Well, yes. Um, Yes. When is a guarantee a guarantee and when is it a subsidy? We'll leave that to the politicians. I, I I think we know the answer to that. Let's move on to your friend, Mr. Buffett, who I see has sold his General Motors and Procter & Gamble shares of of late. There's old Buffett and there's new Buffett. And I find myself more interested in old Buffett rather than new Buffett. Uh, What is Warren Buffett doing owning a stock like General Motors? It really doesn't tick the boxes. 
it's not exactly a Coca-Cola, is it? So I do find that quite strange. But I suspect that he has been adding to his US treasuries. And don't forget, Berkshire Hathaway does a load of insurance business. And so they do need to keep a lot of cash or near cash. And with you being able to get, you know, four and a half percent plus on on US treasuries, it may be that he's just wanting to up his cash float, as it were, within the insurance business. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is you've studied Buffett for many, many, many years. And one of the things I believe he he tells us is that we should not buy into IPOs. So IPOs are initial public offerings. And he has stayed away from those, is my understanding, forever. But I'm flabbergasted to see that CAB payments, C-A-B payments, came to the market. Third quarter revenue was amiss. And the price has tanked. And this was a company which was only listed here in the UK mid-summer. And I just find it amazing that people have had value destroyed so quickly. Well, going back to old Buffett again, and as he says, you know, we stay away from IPOs. It'll be priced at a price that suits the seller rather than the buyer. And perhaps the performance of, of cab payments proves that. Okay. There was a survey done last week. and. It was talking about platform services. That is not something you see at the railway station. So just to explain the the way we operate, we do have all of our investments which are registered as trusts. They're all registered at our address. We do all the paperwork ourselves. We're very unusual in that. The majority of our industry, they use what are called platforms and therefore you're outsourcing to a third party or your administration. The reason we don't do that is because we think we can do it more efficiently. And interestingly, 88% of advisors in this particular survey said they had to apologise to clients. So I guess that's for missed payments of income, valuations, which are delayed for some reason. It's staggering that 9 out of 10 people are having to offer those apologies. Yeah, well, it's what happens, isn't it? When you're not actually in control of it yourself, which is something that we've always felt it necessary to to retain control over that process. It just enables us to get any minor issues there might be sorted straight away, whether it be somebody wanting an income payment or capital payment or a current valuation or some background information on their investments, queries from accountants, that sort of thing, it can all be sorted very, very quickly. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the advantages of being able to get through to somebody straight away rather than going into a queue of being told that your call is important to us when it clearly isn't. And on that queuing, one of the things which was picked up was that the chasing of transfer letters and letters of authority for pension funds, etc., has been taken an inordinate length of time. But... Not our problem, John. No, it's not. So in the industry, regulators are looking at the ESG labelling. So that's environment and social governance, the labelling of the products and the regulation around it. I think there's been a bit of greenwashing and now they're looking into, into that. It's something which we have stayed away from and so pleased we have. Sounds like more nonsense, doesn't it? It does sound like more nonsense. I do agree with you. 
few specific news. Uh, notice that, that Invesco is closing its global target return strategy. So people probably who are listening to this don't realise, but a lot of the fund managers come around to see us and are always promoting their ideas. And the idea is, is that we sit there, we listen to what people have to say, and if we like it, then we might do it for clients. But the way we decide whether we're going to do something, we're obviously looking through all of the literature which they're providing. But the way that I decide whether I'm going to do anything is, am I going to buy it for my wife's portfolio? And if the answer is no, guess what? I'm not buying it for clients. So it's very interesting, this Invesco fund, the Global Target Return Strategy, we have had this presented to us on quite a lot of occasions in the past. We didn't like it, didn't really understand it, and we stayed away from it. And clearly, other people have come round to our way of thinking, and millions of pounds will have been pulled out of it, and they've decided to close it. That's it. Thank you for listening. We have covered the economy, certain things which are specific to our industry. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe, and we'll look forward to seeing you in a few weeks' time. This material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation. You should consult an advisor regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority prior to making investment decisions. All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.